All right, well, good evening. Welcome back to Experiencing God. Uh, I think Chris got you guys off to a great start last week, and uh, tonight we're going to be uh, jumping in with both feet to session one. Uh, in unit one, we're going to be reviewing, and I think Chris already explained that to you, that each week you'll work through the week's lesson, and then when we get together, we'll be talking about what we've learned that week. Uh, so, uh, so it's very important, if you can, to stay current with the book, work through the book, and then we'll come together and share what God's been doing uh, as, we, as we've learned and, and, and studied. So, again, let me thank you for being here, and uh, I'll tell you a little bit about my journey about experiencing God. I, I, I've got the old version. Chris makes fun of me. This is, I think, the original version. Uh, first started this in... August 4th, 1992, and so I think it came out originally around 90, 91, 92, so it was reprinted, uh, so, so this is the version that I've been using, same thing essentially, uh, but I first started this in 92 as a, as a young pastor in Lenore, North Carolina, a small little church, and we went through this material, and I like to tell this story. I had one deacon who I loved dearly. He was like a dad to me. Uh, but he really, when I talked about doing experience of God, he really wasn't excited about it. He, he wasn't, I, I won't say he was against it, but he definitely wasn't for it, okay? And uh, so we started experiencing God, and he came to me later. Uh, I don't remember if it was after the study or kind of like three-fourths of the way through the study. He, he kind of spoke kind of gruff, you know, but, but wonderful man. I loved him to death. But he said, <clears throat> I'll tell you something, preacher. I said, what's that, Curtis? He said, you know that, that experience of God stuff we've been doing? I said, yeah. He said, man, that stuff's life-changing. <laughs> so I hope that you find that to be true, too. I hope that when we get to the end of this thing, you'll say, man, that was life-changing. You know what I've learned about studies? A lot of it is you get, it, get out of it what you put into it. And if you're hit and miss and you don't take it real seriously and you kind of do a little bit of the, of the written work and all that kind of thing, you know, it would be interesting, but it probably is not going to change a whole lot in your life. But if you begin working through this and you prayerfully are working on it every day, none of us are going to do all that perfectly, but you're prayerfully working on it every day, you're going to find, if you take this seriously, to use the words of Curtis, if you take this seriously, it's life-changing. And so I hope that we all find that to be true uh, during the next two, three months, uh, or three months together. Now, here's what I want you to do. If you've come tonight expecting that you're going to hear Pastor Keith teach for an hour, you are sadly mistaken, because that's not the intent of this type of class. Uh, there's going to be a lot of discussion, and for some of you, that may make you feel a little bit uncomfortable. That's not our goal. It's not our desire. Uh, so we're going to try to do our best to make you comfortable. We won't put anybody on the spot. We're not going to do anything that would, you know, kind of draw attention to yourself or anything like that. But we do want you to develop relationships during these three months as we walk through this together. We do want you to get to know some folks, and we just want you to kind of go through this together. So what I'm going to ask you to do is this. Uh, I'm going to ask you to take a few minutes, just two or three minutes, and get acquainted with two people. And so if you're over here, you might need to walk over here. Or if you're over there, walk over here. I want you to walk around. And it might be that you just turn around and there's somebody right there that you don't know. Uh, that, that would be fine too. But I want you to find two people you don't know. All right? And here's what I want you to talk about. All right, now, now listen. We're going to be doing this every week. Not, not this exercise, but we're going to be doing things like this every week. So please participate. Here's what I need you to do. Billy, I haven't said go yet. <laughs> Hey, he doesn't even hear me. As I said, he doesn't even hear me. <laughs> here's, for, for everybody else, here's what I want you to do. <laughs> for, he still has no clue what's going on right now. For everybody else, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go introduce yourself, tell them who you are, and then I want you to answer this question. I chose this study on knowing God's will because, all right, I chose this study on knowing God's will because, introduce yourself and ask that question, do that for two people, ready, set, go, thank you for leading the way, Billy. <clears throat> 
All right, all right, all right, all right. That should be enough time. Hey, if you did not get a book, we do have some up here. $16. If you did not get a book, we do have some up here. Jennifer can help you right there. Last time, if you did not get a book, Jennifer can help you. $16 right up front. All right. Man, that was great. Now, do you remember the names of the people that you met? Who did you meet? All right. You met three. All right. Eager Beaver. That's good. I like that. Overachiever. All right. Billy, who did you meet? Do you remember the names? Lisa and? <laughs> huh? Penny. Say that louder. All right, cool. Good, good. All right, here's, here's the deal. I hope that during this time, you guys are going to meet people like this every Wednesday night, get to know other folks around you, and not just meet them, but maybe write their name down in your book so that you guys can just become prayer partners for one another. You don't necessarily have to know what's going on in, in someone's life, but at least you remember a name, and that's somebody else you can pray for as they're doing the study that you're doing. And so hopefully uh, you're, you're forming a prayer partner circle here uh, as you meet people and, and uh, introduce yourself. So I do want us to pray as we start out and uh, just thank the Lord for bringing us together and ask for him to work in this, in this class in a special way. Would you join me as we pray? Father, thank you so much for indeed bringing all of these people out to our, our church family. We acknowledge that we need your presence and it is our desire to do your will. Father, it's so easy to talk about that, but it's another thing to actually understand that the God of the universe speaks and directs and that you have a plan for our lives and that you can use ordinary people. And in fact, you, that's your method of operation. So, Father, would you, through the power of the Holy Spirit and through your Holy Word, would you be our teacher through this course? Would you grant us understanding and insight? And would you bind our hearts together in Christian love and unity as we grow in the body of Christ, as we become more like you? That's our desire and that's our prayer tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Now, when you came in tonight, hopefully you got a, a, a sheet of paper, uh, kind of a little quiz kind of a thing. If you don't have one, Jennifer is somewhere. Where is Jennifer? She's right here. Jennifer, I think she got some extras, and she'll be glad to bring you one. Do you, anybody need one of those? Raise your hand. Chris, Jennifer, somebody's going to help us out there. If you need a, a slip of paper, here's what I want you to do. Every week when you come like this, we're going to give you a pop quiz. Now, don't get nervous, because here's what I want you to know about the pop quiz. You're going to grade it. And we're not going to ask you what your grade is, okay? We're not going to ask you, hey, how many did you miss? Or did... We're not going to do that. It's just for review, okay? So every week, we'll give you a review sheet. But again, don't let that make you nervous. We're just wanting to see, you know, are you grasping the material? But we're not going to grade it for you. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to take that, that little slip of paper and try to write down the seven realities of experiencing God. You might only write down one or two words for each of those. That may be all you can grab right now, all you can remember, uh, and that's fine. But write down all that you can on those seven realities, and that's our review for the day. So let's get started on that. Go ahead. Let me clarify. Yes, I want you to do this without looking at your book. <laughs> this is not an open book quiz.
You had 100? Well, we'll check it in a moment just to make sure. That's correct. Or it may have started on Thursday if they got their book on Wednesday night. They may have started on Thursday. So next week, or, or starting tonight or tomorrow, then you'd be in Unit 2, Day 1. All right, I think most of you had time to get that. If not, you can fill it in as we go. Uh, here's what I want to do. I'm going to give you a key word or words, and I want somebody to, to tell me what that reality is. You may not get it perfect, but just in your own words, tell us that reality. And so don't wait for somebody else to do it. You be the somebody else, okay? Here's, here's the first one. God's work. That's the first clue. God's work. God is always at work around us, isn't he? God never takes a break. He never takes a vacation. He never slacks off. God's always at work around us. Now, the second key word is relationship. What would that reality be? Say that louder. All right. God pursues a love relationship with you that is real and personal. Is that not amazing? Can you stop there for a second? Can you think about the, the implication of that, that the God of the universe wants to have a personal relationship with you that's real or personal? And then number three, I like number three. It's the word invitation. And what, what is that reality? Yeah. That God gives us an invitation to join him where he's working. Can you just give me one example of that? Maybe something you read recently, maybe something you read in this book, or maybe it's just something you read in Scripture. Can you give me an example where God gave somebody an invitation to join him in what he was doing? Say it louder. Moses, absolutely. Moses didn't go to God one day and say, Hey, God, I got this great idea. What do you think about this? No, God came to Moses and said, Hey, Moses, I've got this great idea. What do you think about this? And of course, Moses said, what? Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I like, <clears throat> appreciate the invitation, but no, no, thank you. Yeah, I, I stutter. I'm going to, I hope I don't get, am I going to get in trouble if I share this, Cindy? You know what I'm about to share? Am I going to get in trouble? <laughs> I just heard this today. Was it today or yesterday? Yesterday, I heard this yesterday, uh, <clears throat> and Randy said that he taught this in Sunday school, So I feel, and Kathy said that she knew about it, so I feel like it's okay to say this. <clears throat> Randy, uh, Randy Elrod, said he was teaching Sunday on this, this lesson, and he said that, you know, Moses stuttered, and he didn't speak well, so God gave him Aaron. He said, so that's why God gave me Kathy. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> when he told me that, I about busted a gut. I just, it was, it was hilarious. All right, about to get off track here. Uh, number four, fourth reality is that God speaks. Yes. God speaks. By the way, uh, open up, I should have told you this, open up to the back of your book, to, and, and here's a diagram. And we want you to get very familiar with this diagram so that it, it's ingrained in your mind. Number four, God speaks by the Holy Spirit through the Bible, through prayer, through circumstances in the church to reveal himself, his purposes, and his ways. Number five, a crisis of belief. Boy, this is an important one, a crisis of belief. What, what is that? What's that reality? Without looking at the book, what's that reality? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
When God speaks, it often leads to a crisis of belief because what God is asking you to do is oftentimes not something that is comfortable or it's not something that's convenient. It's not something that you feel prepared for. And so that leads to a crisis of belief. Did God really say this? Can I really do this? Should I take that step? And there's this crisis of belief that requires what, what Henry Blackaby says, faith and action. Not just faith. Lots of times we say we have faith, I trust God, but then we don't ever do anything to demonstrate our faith. So it requires faith and it also requires action. All right, then number six is the word, the key word is adjust. <clears throat> Somebody tell me what that reality is. Why? Okay. Yeah, all of these are, are good answers. Look at number six on your outline there. <clears throat> we must make major adjustments in your life to join God in what he's doing. Give me an example from the Bible of somebody, and you'll read more about this later in the, in the book, of course, but can you just think of any example in the Bible where they had to make a major adjustment in order to join God? Paul, how, how so? Major adjustment. Give me another one. Who? Jonah? Oh, yeah, Jonah didn't want to go. He had to make a major adjustment. Give me another one. Abraham. Absolutely. <clears throat> Everybody look, look up here. I'll tell you something. Don't think you're going to get off easy. You know what I'm saying? Why is it that we think, well, God won't expect me to do that? God won't expect me to make major adjustments. If you're going to allow God to work in your life, it probably will bring you to a point where you have to adjust to him. Because I'm going to tell you something, he's not adjusting to you. Right? So we're talking about experiencing God. How are we going to experience God? We're going to experience God when we adjust to him and stop expecting him to adjust to us. Does that make sense? Let's look at the seventh, uh, seventh reality is that the key words are, are obey and experience. Somebody tell me what that is. Yeah. And, and Henry Blackaby makes the point, not only do you know him, but that's how you get to know him better. Uh, and here's the reality as it says it in the book. You come to know God by experience as you obey him, and he accomplishes his work through you. Now, give, again, give me a biblical example of that, how somebody obeyed God and they came to know God in a better way because God worked through them. Who would be an example of that in the Bible? <clears throat> a little bit harder. Who? Moses. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that example. Noah, that's another good one. Yeah. Uh, let's just think about Moses for a moment. What was it, what did Moses, what's the most prominent area where Moses experienced God and came to know God in, in a great way? On the mountain? Ten Commandments. Red Sea. I mean, if you ever want to do a step, once we get beyond experiencing God, if you ever want to do a study that is just kind of, wow, it would be the life of Moses. And just, just as one example, when, when he stood before the Red Sea and all of a sudden he saw the waters part, he came to know God in a way he had never known before. This God he was serving, this God he was adjusting his life to, had power he had never witnessed before like that. It's... Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, 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 I hadn't thought about that, but yeah, the, the wind blew the water out of the bay, sucked the water out of the bay. Yeah. How about that? That's good. Now, in these seven realities, who, of course, would be the, the greatest example of someone who did all seven? Jesus. 
That wasn't intended to be a hard question. All right, I wasn't trying to stump you. During his 33 years of earthly life and ministry, he completed every assignment, so far as we know, he completed every assignment that God gave him. And there's seven reality, these seven realities that, that we've seen in the book, you can see in his life. And today, I, I've called on seven people that they've got some scriptures, and I want you to open your book to page 16. page 16, you see that top square that says Jesus' example? Leave that open, and in just a moment, you're going to be writing scriptures beside each, each one of those, all right? So who has the first script? I don't remember who, I, who has them. Go ahead, Brad. So read that one more time, and read the verse and everything. All right, you got that one? Who had number two? All right. I do nothing on my own. You see that number three? I would write that scripture down beside that one. Who had the next one? I would just write the scripture reference down. What was that scripture reference again? Yeah. John 8, 28 and 29. All right, who had the next? Chris. All right, which one would that be on that list? Number five. Chris, give us that reference again. We can write it down. You know, we're not, intentionally we're not going in order. I'm sorry, I confused you. You thought there was order to this. <laughs> no, I intentionally didn't want to go in order because I wanted you to try to figure out, well, which one is that? She's down here, she says, I'm thinking, he's not making a whole lot of sense, but I'm going to go with it. <laughs> All right, let me start over. These are not necessarily in order. I want you to find which one it sounds like uh, as you look at these seven realities of Jesus' example. Does that make sense now? I should have explained that better. I'm sorry that you're... Your teacher has done such a poor job. Brad, would you start again, please? Quickly. My teaching is not my own. It comes from the one who sent me. Which one would that be? That's a harder one, isn't it? I think it's number two. I would write down the reference to number two. And then I think it was, who had the next one? Tracy, did you have the next one? All right, so just to make sure you understand, that's number three. 
right? And you're going to re- write down that reference. Chris, just give us the reference on yours. And which one was that, Chris? I think it was number five. All right, who's the next one? I think we're called up. Who's the next one? Yes, Mark. Which one is that? I think it's number four. Some of these you'll have to be, uh, you'll have to wait and see. John. All right, who's the next one? Choose one. Seven? All right, we're going to go seven. Give me the next reference. I think we've got one, one or two more. All right, go ahead. Have we used number one? All right. What's the reference? John 17, 8. Do we have one more or is that the last one? Mike, you got one. Acts 2, 22. All right, let's move on. <laughs> let's move on. I'm not exactly sure where, where we broke down here, but we certainly broke down. Here's what I, here's what I want you to see, regardless of, of what verse goes with which one. Here's what I want you to see. We're talking about Jesus Christ. And what I want you to see is this, again and again and again and again, in different ways, Jesus emphasized this truth. I don't do anything on my own. I do what I see the Father doing. I work where the Father is working. I I, I watch to see what the Father is doing, and that's what I do. Father has been working right up to now and He's still working and I'm doing the Father's will. You see, if we are to be, here's what I want you to understand. If we are to be a servant of God, if we're to know God's will for our lives, if we are to experience God, our goal has to be this. Watch and see what God is doing and join Him in it. Now that's not easy. It's easier to say than it is to do. But but get this, understand this. The perspective is I'm going to be God-centered instead of Keith-centered. I'm going to be God-centered. I'm going to be watching to where watching to see where God is work at work and I'm going to join him. Now, I gave you a scripture or there's a scripture in the book actually. Uh, I didn't give it to you, but a scripture in the book And we've asked you, I think Chris did this, did you ask them to memorize the scripture last week, Chris? All right, I just want to make sure that I'm clear on this. All right, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn to somebody near you, and I want you to quote the scripture to one another. This week's memory verse, did you memorize it, and can you quote it? Okay? If you have to get up, get up, but talk, share it with one another.
We'll trust you. All right, I'm going to call time, and here's what I want to ask you to do. Not just share the verse. I want you to do one other thing. Now I want you to talk to that person back and forth, and here's what I want you to talk about. What has God said to you through that verse this week? Has God, has God used that verse in any way to speak to you this week? What has God said to you this week from just that verse? Talk about that. Go ahead. All right, now, can somebody quote the verse for us? Who can quote the verse for us? Yes, sir. Good job. Now, just, just answer easy questions, just answer them as we talk. Who said that? It was in the John, it was in the John, but Jesus said that. Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the... You seen any branches in your yard this week? Those branches going to do very good now? <laughs> yeah. I am the vine, you are the branches. Of course, he wasn't talking about a tree, he was talking about a vine, like a grapevine. I'm the vine, you're the branches. And what was the next part of it? What's that word, remains? Yeah. What, what does that signify to you? Can't separate yourself, what? Permanency, permanent situation? Stay connected? Do you know why Jesus did the Father's will so perfectly for 33 years? He stayed connected. For 33 years. Look, what page is that memory verse on? Page in your book. Page 6. <clears throat> would you do this, if this is your book, would you do this on page 6? It says, I am the vine. You see the word you? Cross that out and write your name above it. I am the vine. Keith, you are the branches. Or you could put your name there in between, however you want to do that. I am the vine. Keith, you are the branches. And if Keith, you can mark that out, put your name there. If Keith remains in me and I in Keith, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, Keith can do nothing. Just make it personal. Now, just one or two of you, for sake of time, just one or two of us, oh, one or two of you, tell us what this verse meant to you as you memorized it this week. And what a wonderful thing to take God's Word and, and internalize it. But as you did that, how did God use that Word in your life this week?
What did he remind you? What did he show you? How, how, did, how did it help you? Somebody tell us. Yeah, good, good. How did that verse help somebody? How did it help you? John 15, how did it help you? Mm -hmm. Right. Why don't you look on page six one more time before we move on to something else. First to memorize. I am the vine. I am the vine. What does the vine do? The vine provides everything that the branches need. Right? Everything the branches need, the life that the branches need comes from the vine. It doesn't come from the branches. It comes from the vine. Jesus said, I am the vine. You are the branches. And if a man, that's why we have to remain in him, because everything we need comes from him. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear, what's that next two words? He'll bear what? Much fruit. Much fruit. As you look at your life, don't, you don't answer this one out loud. As you look at your life, are you bearing fruit? We could talk later about what fruit is, but basically, are you representing Jesus? Is the life of Jesus being lived out in you? Are you bearing fruit? And then he says, the last part of that verse, apart from me, you can do very little. No, that's not what he said. What did he say, Penny? Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, <clears throat> didn't you go to work today? Did you eat a bowl of cereal for breakfast or eat something healthy for breakfast? And you could do a lot of things without Jesus. You, you, what was he talking about here when he said, apart from me, you can do nothing? You can, yeah, you can do nothing that matters for eternity. You can do nothing that really matters in the sight of God. You can do nothing that will, be, uh, that will change anybody apart from Him. Now, here's what I want to do in the last few minutes. Uh, by the way, you'll have that scripture verse, not that one, but a scripture verse to memorize every week. Just one verse, very doable. And so we ask you each week, learn that unit verse and we'll discuss it some. All right, here's what I want to do. I want to switch gears a little bit. If you look in your books on pages 13, 16, 20, 24, and 28, if I've got those numbers right, let's start on page 13. It says, review today's lesson, the bottom of the page. Review today's lesson. Pray and ask God to identify one or more statements or scriptures he wants you to understand, learn, or practice. Underline them, then respond to the following. What was the most meaningful statement or scripture you read today? Reword the statement or scripture into a prayer of response to God. And what does God want you to do in response to today's study? So my question is this. For each day, you were giving that assignment. And my question is this. Can you identify one of those statements or scriptures that just really spoke to you this week? And for some of you, you'll say, boy, it was day one. Others will say, no, it was day five. Others say, boy, I tell you what, God just really spoke to me on day three. So which one spoke to you the most is what I'm asking. Which one spoke to you the most? And it'll be different for all of us. So just share quickly. Don't, don't take a lot of time with it, but share quickly which statement or scripture spoke to you the most and why of those five. How did, how did God use that to speak to you? Yeah. He's constant. And what day was that? 
two. All right, somebody else. Day four. Yeah, if it's really God, God's speaking. Very good. Somebody else? Thank you for sharing that. Who's next? How, what did God use this week to speak to you? Read that a little bit louder for us because that's, that's a good word. Somebody else, what would you have? Yeah, I wonder, and Brad, I think we're all guilty of this, but, but I wonder if tomorrow would be different if, if every one of us got up and started saying, okay, God, I'm going to be looking today for where you're working. Yeah. That, that would be kind of amazing, wouldn't it? If we all just got up and said, okay, God, I'm looking today for wherever you're working, and whatever it is you want me to do, I just need you to show me how I can join you in what you're doing. Uh. Tell me, because I think a lot of people probably circled that, highlighted that, marked that in some way. Tell me why that speaks to you so much, Mark. I'm going to try to illustrate this as best I can. And, and this is an imperfect illustration. But I think this is what happens so often in our lives. That chair represents God. This chair represents me. And I can come to church and I can think about how I want God to work in my life. I want God to change something in me. I need God to break something in me, to break these chains, to give me fulfillment. I need God to help me, uh, all, you know, whatever it is that the need is. I, I've got prayers. I need God to answer and all of these kind of things. And I want to experience God. Why is it I read about God in the Bible and he's doing these amazing things? And, but it just seems so dead in my life. And I want to experience God. I want to know God and do God's will. But here's what I'm really wanting. Here's what I'm really hoping. I want to stay just like I am. And I want him to come over here. And it's a pretty sweet deal if he'll do that, right? I mean, that's kind of what we're hoping for. 
Just let me stay believing what I believe and, and live where I'm living and do what I'm doing and, and I don't want to change anything, but it sure would be nice if you'd come over here so I can experience you. God says, you got it all wrong. It sure wouldn't be nice if you'd come over here. So you can experience me. And the way you get from over there to over here, and that's what this whole course is about, the way you get from over there to over here is that you get to the point, get to the point where it's, I want to know and do the will of God. And if that means that I have to make adjustments to Him, I will make the adjustments. And when I come to a place of crisis of belief, because getting from over there to over here is a huge step, and there's a huge crisis of belief, and when I come to that point, that crisis of belief, I will choose to trust Him, I will choose to obey Him, and as I follow Him in obedience, I will experience Him in ways I've never known. I love the example that we had of, of Moses. Moses is over here. Moses is just tending to a sheep. And God is saying, I got something for you. But you can't stay here with these sheep. I need you to go to Egypt. But I don't want to go to Egypt. I ran away from Egypt. And what do you want me to do in Egypt? Well, I want you to tell Pharaoh to let my people go, and I want you to lead them out. But you know I don't speak well. You know, and, and he starts giving this long list. You know what he was doing? Here's what he was doing. He said, I'd like to, I'd like to kind of experience you, God, but I'd like to stay in this chair if I could. So long as I can stay in this chair right here comfortable where everything's good, I'll stay right here. In this. And God says, no, you can't stay in that chair. You've got to be over here. And when he went over to, to God and said, I'm yours, I'm surrendered to you, that's, watch this, watch this, that's when he experienced the parting of the Red Sea. That's when God gave him the Ten Commandments. That's when he saw God do miracles. He never, ever, ever would have experienced the parting of the Red Sea. He, God never would have given him the Ten Commandments, had he just sat in the chair and said, I'd rather not. I, I, I kind of like it right here. And so a lot is at stake for your life, for my life, for our church. A lot is at stake. Now let me tell you this about the lesson. And I'm sorry, I apologize that I got it all mixed up earlier and it just, I just blew it. But here, here's, here's what I know. It won't be the last time I blow it. But here's what I want you to understand. As good as the first week is, you ain't seen nothing yet. You need to dig into week two and week three. And when you really, because the first week is more of an overview. And when you start digging into weeks two, three, and following, that's when God begins to shake your world. And so, jump in with both feet this week. Work on unit two. And let God speak to you in ways perhaps he never has before. I want to pray over you. Every head bowed. I want to pray over you as your pastor. Father, as we prepare to go into Unit 2 this next week, I pray that you would speak to us about God-centered living. We are so prone to self-centered living. And it's so much easier, so much more comfortable, so much safer to have self-centered living but I pray that in a very real way that as we work through Unit 2 this week, you would convict us, 
convince us that the real joy, the real thrill, is in God-centered living. So starting tomorrow, I ask you that as we wake up and as we begin our day, may the Holy Spirit speak to us and remind us that tomorrow we're going to be looking for where you are at work with a willing heart that says, yes, Lord, I'll join you in what you're doing. Give us the faith to follow, the faith to obey, the faith to say yes, the faith to step in and join you in what you're doing. May lives be changed because of it, and may Jesus be honored in the way that we live. And I pray that in his name. Amen.